Good morning, Wastelanders. This is Streaming Wasteland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg. Hi, Greg. And with me always... And Ringo. With me always is Ringo. Hi, Ringo. Yeah, we should probably talk about this movie. This movie is terrible. Say, say we both recommend this movie. I would say skip this movie. Yeah, don't watch this. Worst plot I've ever seen. This movie had some interesting twists and turns that I, I definitely enjoyed. You know what they say, once you're 18, monsters are your problem. The creature that we're dealing with is called the Dark Mother. Yeah. I just called her Dear Mommy. Do you want to go mm-hmm. ahead and jump back in? All right, we should probably dive into this. <laughs> I thought you'd turn up sooner or later. Very clever, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg, and with me always is Ringo. Say hi, Ringo. Ringo? Ringo? Ah, shit. I think I forgot to tell him we're recording. Uh, alright, well, I'm on my own for this one. Today I'm starting a series on James Bond, looking at each one of the movies in this franchise. It's wild to think about how the James Bond franchise only has 27 movies, or 27 canon movies anyway, and we'll we'll talk about that some other time, but 27 movies over 60 years, while franchises like the MCU have 32 and less than 20. Uh, it's hard to believe, but Iron Man only came out in 2008, and if that doesn't feel like a thousand years ago to you, um, you're lucky. Anyway, to quote one of my favorite people that I don't actually know, the only way to begin is by beginning, and what better place to begin than at the beginning. So this time I'm taking a look at Dr. No, the 1963 film that started it all. This movie stars Sean Connery as the titular Bond. Bond. James Bond. And Ursula Andress as the first of what came to be known as Bond Girls, playing Miss Honey Rider. Honey Rider. We're also introduced to a couple recurring characters in the franchise, chief among them Money Penny. Money Penny. The receptionist at MI6 who always seems like she just can't be the one who Bond chooses to sleep with. What gives? Me, given an ounce of encouragement. Their double entendres and vague promises of future love are cemented here, with a line that gave me a bona fide dad chuckle. You never take me to dinner, period. Uh, I would, you know. Only Anne would have me court-martialed for uh, illegal use of government property. We also meet M, the head of MI6, or at least the double O department. I've never been quite sure about that. And Q, the head of R&D and gadget-making specialist. Interestingly, neither of them are given their iconic names in this movie. And sadly, Dr. No is severely lacking in the gadget department. And instead, Q just gives Bond his signature, Walther PPK. If you carry a double-O number, it means you're licensed to kill, not get killed. And another thing, since I've been head of MI7, there's been a 40% drop in double-O operative casualties, and I want it to stay that way. You'll carry the Walter. Walter PPK. 
7.65 mil with a delivery like a brick through a plate glass window. Finally, we meet Felix Leiter, a CIA agent who we're led to believe is effectively the American Bond and will be a recurring character in the films with 10 appearances across the decades. Felix Leiter, Central Intelligence Agency. You must be James Bond. As the first entry into the franchise, and for much of the world, the first time anyone heard the name James Bond at all, we spend the beginning bits of this movie setting up our plot, with a couple of MI6's agents being killed by some men who were posing as blind beggars, before finally, at the 8 minute mark, we're introduced to the man himself, and immediately the film lets us know exactly who James Bond is. Excuse me, sir, are you a member? No, I'm looking for Mr. James Bond. What name should I say, sir? Just give him my card, will you? Would you like to leave your coat over there, sir? Neuf à la banque. I need Carter. another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, I suppose you wouldn't care to, um, raise the limit? I have no objections. What was it, madame? C'est suivi, monsieur. Looks like you're out to get me. It's an idea at that. Eight. Huit à la porte. Neuf à la banque. Thank you. He's wearing his iconic tux, playing Baccarat, smoking, and winning lots of money while also charming the pants off of the woman he's been winning the money from, one Sylvia Trench. Later on, James and Miss Trench get to boning, and then she's not in the movie anymore. One more way the directors of this film let us know exactly who James Bond is. Oh, that was for tomorrow afternoon. Tell me, do you always dress this way for golf? I changed into something more comfortable. Oh, I hope I did the right thing. Well, you did the right thing, but you picked the wrong moment. I have to leave immediately. Oh, that's too bad. Just as things were getting interesting again. When did you say you had to leave? Immediately. Almost immediately. As an introduction, this is pretty damn good. All of our defining character traits, minus his choice of martini and skill of a spy, are on display here in one tight scene, and we get a sense for who this character really is as a person. Of course, a Bond movie, or maybe really any movie, is only as good as the antagonist, and this is where we get into some trouble. Dr. No, the villain of the film, is supposed to be a former Chinese scientist, but he's played by Joseph Wiseman, a Canadian actor who is definitely not Chinese or Asian at all. I thought you less stupid. And I don't understand why for the life of me this role wasn't offered to someone who was actually Chinese. Besides, you know, racism. He also had makeup applied to make him quote-unquote look more Asian, which is more commonly known as yellow face. This is unfortunately too common for the 60s and further past that. And this is a good point to note that Dr. No, and the Bond franchise in general, is very white. Like, excessively so. And considering the source material, it's not surprising. 
As most of you know, James Bond was originally a series of books written by Ian Fleming. He wrote all of his books in what was, at the time, the British colony of Jamaica, and at his home called Goldeneye. His family was wealthy, connected to banking, and his father was a member of parliament. Side note, if you can name your house or your manor, you're probably fucking rich. So it's not surprising that Fleming offered very little in the way of representation for anyone that wasn't white in his books and didn't necessarily have great roles for women or enlightened views on the world as a whole. Anyway, I wanted to make sure we understood where we're coming from here, as this is very much a 60s movie based on a book written by a 50s man, and it's not going to gel well with pretty much any version of today's more progressive ideology. This is not an excuse for the movie, nor would I defend it. It's just a statement of context. And before someone feels the need to tell me, um, he says he's of German-Chinese descent in the movie? Yeah, I know. I watched it too. But they still could have at least tried to find someone with that background. Transitioning back into a movie review, Dr. No isn't actually a very good villain from a storytelling standpoint. We get some sharp dialogue between Bond and No for a full two scenes. A unique feat of engineering, if I may say so, I designed it myself. The glass is convex, ten inches thick, which accounts for the magnifying effect. Minnows pretending they're whales, just like you on this island, Dr. No. It depends, Mr. Bond, on which side the glass you are. But much like Miss Ryder, and more on her in a minute, No is introduced very late in the movie, and he basically exposition dumps on Bond in his only real speaking scene. Also, he has metal hands from a radiation accident, which is just so 60s. Forgive my not shaking hands, it becomes a bit awkward with these, a misfortune. We never really get a chance to see a game of cat and mouse between Bond and No, nor do we see a truly climactic showdown, and the final fight between the two is roughly three minutes of screen time, mostly two dudes in hazmat suits wrestling each other above boiling water. Use my robot hand for good. Villain aside, Doctor No has its issues as a film as well, mainly pacing and plot. For a movie that only lasts 109 minutes, it feels long, and that's due to the amount of time that there isn't any dialogue or meaningful action occurring. For instance. Come to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs.
That's almost two minutes of just staring at Sean Connery as he crawls through some pipes. There's no real danger to James Bond, no real obstacles to face, and no information gained. It's also hilarious that this is him escaping from a prison cell that Dr. No placed him in, as the movie tells us that Dr. No is a genius, but apparently not genius enough to weld grates shut in prisons. As another example, take this scene. Here, we get to watch James Bond as he does spy-like activities like check that no one is in his closet and have a drink. Again, no information is revealed and no danger is present, but it's at least a little closer to something as we can take his checking of the briefcase and closet as quote-unquote spycraft. And while these scenes make the movie feel like it drags, it's not the only culprit. As I mentioned earlier, plot plays a big part in this. The basics of Dr. No are as follows. A British Secret Service agent is killed, along with his secretary. Bond is sent to Jamaica to investigate. He learns of a mysterious island called Crab Key. Crab Key allegedly has a dragon. Spoilers, it's not a dragon. Stay where you are, all of you. Stay right where you are. Okay, Captain. Is that in a dragon? What is it? A dragon that runs on diesel engines. He travels to Crab Key and is captured. He learns that Dr. No is a spurned Chinese scientist working for Spectre. Dr. No is disrupting rocket launches of the U.S. space program to prove a point for Spectre. Bond escapes capture and kills Dr. No with superheated water. Bond saves Honey Rider, who is there. The end. If this sounds like it could all fit into a 60-minute television episode, you'd be right. The novel version of Dr. No came about as a result of a scrapped television screenplay that Fleming had been working on. The book itself is only 250 pages long. For comparison, The Hunt for Red October is closer to 400. And that means that there really wasn't a lot of movie-worthy content for the producers to work with. Also, if you've ever seen the James Bond novels in some sort of collection at Barnes & Noble or another bookstore, they're very small books. Anyway, this leads us to scenes like We Got Above, stretched out shots of room entrances and pipe crawls, but we also get a lot of the boring part of Spycraft, tracking down individual members of a criminal organization, following up on leads, and of course, James taking time to plow a woman or two. It's rather beautiful. Thank you. Tell me, do you always wear it up? 
Don't you like it that way? Yes, very much. With your sort of face, it's, it's wonderful. What's going on behind my back? These detours, coupled with what turns out to be very light and non-impactful plot beats, end up making the 109-minute runtime feel closer to 209, and I think the movie really suffers for that. There are three other elements of this movie I want to talk about before wrapping up. Firstly, this movie was made with a very small budget of 1.1 million US dollars. For comparison, The Longest Day and Lawrence of Arabia both came out in 1962 as well, and had budgets of $15 million each. This small budget is why we don't see tons of gadgets, high-impact action scenes, or a lot of stunts. It also leads to the funniest car chase scene I think I've ever seen. I'll be waiting for you. expensive shot of the movie but it was integral to the story secondly as mentioned above ursula andrus was the first bond girl but it's hard to escape the fact that she is literally not in half of this movie she doesn't make an on-screen appearance until over an hour into the film and doesn't really feel like much of a necessary addition to the story but of course we get her iconic introduction scene Wikipedia tells me that her appearance in this film did wonders for bikini sales, and I believe them. 
Finally, I want to note that so much of what we think of when we think about the concept of supervillains and or evil masterminds is largely a result of Dr. No and other early Bond movies. Underground lairs, steam vents, banks of computers, large bullpens full of henchmen, etc. This is very much the work of a man named Ken Adam, who is the production designer for Dr. No, and helped give the sets their very unique feel. And it's always impressive, to me anyway, when we can see one person putting an indelible mark on pop culture, and Ken Adam definitely did that. Dr. No ended up being a smash hit, grossing $55 million at the box office and spawning the modern spy thriller as we know it. Without the success of Dr. No, it's unlikely we'd have things like Mission Impossible, any of the Jack Ryan apocrypha, etc. But it is a hard watch. It's slow, plodding, clumsy at times, and it feels as though they went back and added things into the movie after it was done to make the movie longer. I would say that this film is a firm don't watch because there are better Bond movies out there, and you don't need to see this one for any kind of lore or story purpose. Sean Connery's performance is definitely tone-setting and very... Bondy, But I think most fans of Connery today are looking for something more like his turn as Henry Jones Sr. or John Mason, and this is not that kind of role. Of course, if you're someone who's a purist, a completionist, or an aficionado, this movie is a must-see, but otherwise, you can change the channel when this one comes up on the Bond TV marathons. Anyway, I've been Greg for Streaming Wasteland. This has been a review of Dr. No. Let me know in the comments if you like James Bond or hate James Bond, or if you've actually even seen Dr. No. And if you do like James Bond, let me know what your favorite movie is. You can find Streaming Wasteland here on YouTube. You can check out our link tree in the description. You can find our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, etc. Any place podcasts to find. If you want to drop us a line, it is streamingwasteland at gmail.com. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and I'll catch you in the next one. <laughs>